Hi, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Codacy, one of the tools Jim Bartek, our guest, will elaborate in this session. Codacy is the online service that automatically identifies issues through static code analysis. It supports over 25 languages, including Apex, and it works seamlessly with the mainstream Git online services such as GitHub, GitLab, and Bitbucket. For instance, if I make an Apex code pull request against my GitHub repo, Codacy can analyze the code and push detect the issues as comments. If you want, it can even send the comments to your Slack channel. Think about how much manual work it can really save for your team in the code review process. And by the way, if your team is smaller than four users or your project is open sourced, Codacy offers a forever free subscription. How cool is that? To get more information, please check Codacy's link in the show notes or visit salesforceway.com/codacy. It's salesforceway.com/codacy. With that said. Let's now dive into the show. Hey, everybody! This is Xi Xiao. This is yet another episode of Salesforce Web Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Jim Bartek, the CEO of Growth Heroes. Hello, Jim. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Jim? I'm good. I'm good. So I invited Jim to be in a show. Is that we actually met in the DX19 trip, and Jim, you did a really good presentation there to talk about how to automate, how to do the clean code qualities. That was immediately got me hooked. I wanted to invite <laughs> you, so you know, talk more into details. What's that about, and share more with our listeners. Yeah, thank you very much. That was a cool little talk. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let's、um, uh, start with a little bit、uh, background and details. So, so what was the talk content? If you can brief us on what kind of problems you tried to tackle. Yeah. So the talk is called Easy Clean Code, and basically, what we were just trying to tackle as a Salesforce consultancy as well as an ISV partner is just you know how do we handle Growing our development team and automating, making sure that we have consistent code quality, and that we're all doing things in in the same format, time and time again. And, and as we get a new code base for a new client, how do we go about cleaning up that code base in a way that benefits the client and makes it easier to maintain over time?、Mm-hmm. So you wanted to use the tool as much as possible to automate the process, so that there is not much manual work involved in the whole process. Am I right? Yeah. So I mean, there's two challenges. One, you could have a developer or a you know team manager that was spending all their time cleaning the code and reviewing the quality and doing these、mm-hmm. things, but there's a good amount of tools out there that help you do it more automatically, and so either. The manager could run the tools, or the developer could run the tools,、um, but you kind of got inconsistencies. And as we would be under a time crunch, right, you might not do it as often as you should. So we kept looking more towards how let's just automate it, so that way we do it every time, so that、mm-hmm. we make sure that we're providing that that right code quality. And so it's partly automation with some of the tools that check the quality, and it's also part using templates and frameworks and agreeing on. 
a standard way to write the code in the first place. All right. And uh, the the sample code is stored in GitHub, right? You have this easy clean code repository. Yeah, it's just github.com slash growth heroes slash ECC. Okay. So I'll also put that into our show notes for our listener to check afterwards. Great. So could we start them talking about what tools have you used? Do you think if this is a good topic to follow? Yeah, so I mean, some of the tools that are that are great to use are some of the ones that um, the new SFDX team is kind of promoting themselves, uh, mm-hmm. along with using tools like VS Code or Illuminated Cloud. You know, as an IDE, you can use tools like Prettier, uh, ESLint, um, PMD. PMD is a really awesome tool for just making sure your Apex doesn't do anything too bad. Um, mm-hmm. And the other tools kind of help with linting and help with making sure your your code is formatted properly. Mm. You mentioned the Visual Studio Code. Uh, which IDE do you use personally? Yeah, so I use VS Code, um, okay. but the rest of the team uses Illuminated Cloud. So oh. we always have some interesting conversations about you know which one's better and things you can do. <laughs> uh, and I think I think they're both awesome. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to go into the IDE fight. Yeah. Um, okay, so in addition to the VS Code, you also mentioned some other tools. For example, the Prettier, right? Uh, yeah, I understand that is like a code formatting tool. Yeah, so there's a tool called Prettier, and you can run it. You know, from the command line, you can run it in your IDE. Uh, you can do all these nice things with it, and there's a community-driven add-on uh, for Apex. So you can use Prettier for for Apex. You can use it for for Lightning Web Components, and so you can just download that, install that, and then the nice thing about it is you can you can have it automatically run every time you save a file, or you can just run it manually inside your IDE with just a shortcut. Uh, you can also run it on a Git pre-commit hook, so that way every time you're trying to commit to Git, that it will just automatically run Prettier for you. But then as well, you can run it in your CI automation, so that way you make sure it always gets done. Right. So right. it's really easy to install tool, and it and it's really effective. Mm. I started to use um, Visual Studio Code like a year and a half ago. That actually was my first IDE in Salesforce ecosystem. So I have never used the the Force.com IDE, the Eclipse based. I don't know for the Illuminate Cloud or some other、uh, tools for formatting the Apex.、Uh, was it already there a long time ago? Because I understand the Visual Studio Code still uh, today, uh, it's not、uh, auto formatting supported. Yeah, so so I mean, Illuminate Cloud and like Idea has its own code formatter kind of built in that you can use, and you can configure the rules in it. the、okay. The problem that we had is that you can't really Or at least we couldn't find a way to then take those rule settings out of Illuminated Cloud and, and use it everywhere. You can do some of the stuff from Idea and Illuminated Cloud on the command line,、um, mm-hmm. but still we wanted to be able to run it、uh, in CI. We wanted our kind of requirement is everything we want to use. We want to be able to the dev needs to be able to do it, and we also need to be able to do it in continuous integration.、Oh, okay. uh, so Prettier just gives you that flexibility where you have a configuration in your repo. And then everyone uses the same exact rules, versus、okay. me having my own formatting rules in Illuminated Cloud, and you having something different 
you're in VS Code. Mm -hmm. um, so just to make sure I understand, the Prettier is a formatting tool, and uh, somebody in the ecosystem has created the Prettier for Apex. It's kind of like a plugin for the Prettier that you can run the command line of Prettier to format the Apex for us, right? Yeah, yeah. You just install, you know, npm install Prettier, and then there's also a Prettier plugin Apex add-on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, at the moment, VS Code does not have the feature that when we hit save, then automatically the Prettier is run. Yeah, I mean, there's some things you can do. You know, you can get further into it with VS Code, and you can change, you know, what happens when you save a file. There's even some other things you can do with SFDX to auto save and deploy a file. So you can control those things. We just kind of wanted to step back from the IDE and focus okay. more on the command line and focus more on the continuous integration. Yeah, it makes sense. And also, if uh, the command line is available, then it's a matter of, uh, you know, add that feature into the Salesforce plugin in Visual Studio Code. Yeah, sooner exactly. Or later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, actually, that's a, a long waiting feature for me. I've never used uh, like a code formatting in my Apex coding. I always like manual formatting. And I really hate um, uh, when people work in the developer console. Uh, it has its uh, own way of formatting the code. And it, when I use the Visual Studio Code, especially I have this editor config plugin, which allow me to define the format of the file, for example, what Ender uh, mm -hmm. code it was. Do I put the extra empty line at the end of the file, those definitions? Then the dev console actually will screw up all these files if you touch <laughs> it from, yeah. from the browser. I mean, I just really annoying that uh, I really hope uh, everybody <laughs> can start to use the prettier, which is officially recommended, I understand, and then supports in all the uh, IDE as well as in the dev console. Hopefully. Yeah, well, I think everybody's going to get forced this way, right? Because Dev Console is not supporting Lightning Web Components. And yeah. they pretty much said that they don't have any plans to ever support Lightning Web Components in Dev Console. So mm -hmm. you're kind of already in a situation now where you you have to wean yourself off of Dev Console onto some of these bigger tools. So it's a yeah. good time to get into all these things and, and learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. Have you worked with the Lightning Web Component so far? Yeah, so we um, we switched over at the beginning of 2019. We basically just said if we're going to do any net new pages, you know, or components for people, we're going to try to avoid Visual Force as much as possible and just mm -hmm. do everything in Lightning Web Components. Uh, so that's what we've been doing. And we haven't really had to break that rule. We've done everything in LWC so far this year. And there's more and more interest because of some of the, you know, deadlines coming up to move to lightning or at least they're going to become more uh, aggressive about moving people to lightning mm -hmm. so a lot of clients are interested in in having things be lightning ready and or have their new features created in in lightning web components yeah definitely and uh, speaking of lightning web components we're talking about the javascript mainly and of course the lightning markup but uh, for the JavaScript, uh, I understand there are much more sophisticated uh, formatting tool, linting tools, right? Yeah, you can, so you can use ESLint and you can use even Jest now to do some testing with Jest mm -hmm. for LWC. 
so you're getting a lot of these tools out of the box. And I just noticed actually, it was really cool. Um, earlier this week, I was messing around with the SFDX command line to, to spin up a new project. We we're actually trying to get a client out of their org. So a new client, we want to work on their code base and just trying to pull it straight into SFDX with the uh, source retrieve instead of doing mm -hmm. the metadata um, mm -hmm. command line. And you, know, you build a new project now it, with SFDX. If you have it build your project, it will include your in your LWC folder uh, an ESLint configuration and help you get that going right off the bat. So that's really awesome. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's part of like a templating of the new project. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned the PMD. Actually, uh, the PMD, how would I say, importer from the, the official PMD to the Apex part, the Robert Sossaman was also in our podcast show before talking about the PMD and clean code. And you said it's a great tool. So how do you use the PMD in your work? Yeah, so we, we all owe him a lot of thanks for the work he did uh, getting it to work with Apex and a lot of the kind of unit tests he has for different Apex failures. But um, mm -hmm. And PMD is probably the most important thing, actually, that we use for our code quality just because it's really good at tracking uh, the exact state of your code quality across your entire code base. Mm -hmm. And just out of the out-of-the-box rules from for Apex, the Apex rule set is, is really handy and you can take it as a starting point, and then you can break it down and only include the um, the rules or the rule types that you want in your file. So you get a you know a, a rule set for PMD that you put in your repo, and if you have that rule set in your in your repository, you can have your IDE like VS Code uh, or Illuminated Cloud just go look for that configuration rule set and use it in the IDE as well. But since it's a rule set in your repository, then you can also use that for continuous integration and elsewhere. And so, you know, there's a handful of different categories that you get out of the box for Apex, right? You get like, you know, are these error prone, right? Are these performance issues? Are these, you know, design issues, best practices, right? I think there's security in there too, right? And so you can ignore some of them, right? So we might ex ignore the the design ones right at the beginning, mm -hmm. or there's a code style, right? So we might ignore some of those when you get a new new customer base because you'll get too many errors and warnings. You get like 3,000 you know, yeah. errors and warnings. And you're like, well, how much of this are we actually going to clean up for a client? What do they really care about? You know, just because mm -hmm. you don't agree with the style, right? Doesn't mean you should spend time fixing it. So we'll tend to pare it down and maybe only focus on error prone, like performance and security. And look mm -hmm. at those issues and, and look for certain things. Like it will tell you how many times you have a SQL statement inside of a for loop. It'll tell you how many times you have a DML statement inside of a for loop, right? Those are really bad design patterns to be doing yeah. database operations inside of a loop. So it'll throw you an error and say, hey, you, you have this problem with your code. So mm -hmm. what we found, though, is the problem with uh, inheriting someone else's code base is that you could end up with a couple thousand PMD warnings right off the bat. Okay. And if you have a couple thousand warnings right off the bat, you just tend to ignore it. Uh, so we kind of go into this issue where it's kind of hard to use PMD because there's too many errors. So you can either cut your rule set down really small uh, so that you're only focusing on the rules that you care about. Or what we started doing is we found um, with a tool called Codacy, we mm -hmm. can actually have it do a diff of the code base and 
only show us with PMD if the code got better or worse. And so we kind of use that as a starting point to say, hey, we're not going to make your code any worse than it was when we inherited it. And then also we may focus on specific rules to try to eliminate any of those errors, like eliminate any SQLs inside of loops, for example. So that's really been a cool tool to integrate with as well. Okay. I'll also put the Codacy link, the homepage, to our show notes. So you, you mentioned Codacy could internally use PMD for the code validation. Is that what you say? Yeah, so Codacy is just a platform that focuses on code quality. Mm -hmm. And so again, if you have, say you have your ESLint configuration in your Git repo and you have your prettier and you have your PMD rule set and you have all this stuff set up in your Git repository, mm -hmm. uh, then all you have to do is connect your Git repository to Codacy. And every time you have a commit or a pull request, it will, it will run its code quality engine on your code, but it will use your existing configuration files. Oh. So that way, again, we have consistency where, you know, if we're doing it in the IDE, if we're doing it on the command line, if we're looking at codacy, we're using the same rules everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it will pick up those those files if you have them. The other cool thing about codacy is that if you don't have them, you can just configure it in the UI in codacy. Um, oh. But we've kind of stuck to making sure we have configuration files actually in our Git repository. Um, but yeah, so that's a newer tool that we've, we've been using. And I think it's really helpful just to see, did that specific commit make the code better or worse? Hmm, interesting. I'll definitely try that out as well. Yeah, and there's a free version of it. So you can use it for free uh, until you get to be too big of a team. Okay, I got it. Hi, just a quick note here. Don't forget to check the links shared in the show notes where you can find the guest's contact information and the important complimentary materials for each episode. In addition, I'd be so happy if you could share with me what you think about this podcast. You can reach me out by email, Twitter, LinkedIn, or website contact form. Your comments would definitely help me improve and deliver bad content. So now let's get back to the show, shall we? And uh, in the uh, Easy Clean Code repository, there was a section talking about the code template and code framework. Could you elaborate on, on these two points? What does it mean? Yeah, so before we kind of even get into the continuous integration and trying to use tools like PMD for, for code quality, you know, the first step is just agreeing on what's good code and also agreeing on how we're gonna continually reuse certain pieces of code. So from the templating side, we look at, you know, how do you write a trigger? How do you write a trigger handler? How do you write service classes? Right. And we came up with our own agreed upon naming conventions for all of our files, you know. You know, mm -hmm. how do we name a trigger? How do we name the handler? How do we do these things? We also came up with our own styles for what should every trigger look like, right? We want a logicless trigger that doesn't really have any logic in it that basically just says, hey, uh, unless I'm being bypassed, you know, pass everything to the trigger handler, mm -hmm. right? And so we have a standardized trigger and we have a standardized trigger handler as well 
that actually has a class that it that inherits some properties from you know parent mm-hmm. class and then we use that trigger handler and it already has everything templated out already has our comments in it and so whenever we want to create a new trigger and trigger handler we just copy and paste these files right and then we, we okay. use them and so that's just from a templating standpoint is hey let's let's agree upon how we should write this and instead of writing it from scratch every time so let's understand yeah so that's a little more basic yeah i guess there's no need to tell our listeners how important the trigger handler framework really is for us yeah and there's there's a couple of cool uh, different models out there there's other different blog posts on what models people use and why uh, mm-hmm. So there's a couple options you have as guides to pick from. Understand. Uh, how about the naming conventions you just mentioned for the variables and for the classes? Uh, th- f- uh, does PMD able to to pick that up as well? Uh, PMD will do a little bit around um, you know if you have things like cased properly, like if you have mm-hmm. your your classes and your methods properly cased and things like that. Um, but that's kind of about it. You know, it's okay. more of making sure your your methods are named in a, in a logical way that that makes sense, and your code is broken out into small enough pieces that you can describe what what that unit of work is is really doing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't help too much too much with that part. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe PMD is automating like ten percent of the clean code part, and then ninety percent still it's up to the developers and the code review to discover the issues. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, you don't need to rely on PMD to know that you have these issues. But you know, everyone is busy. We're yeah. doing a lot of work, yeah. and so it's just a good um, kind of stopgap to help help the developers say, "Oh yeah, hey, I need to clean this up," or especially help me right as we're going through like an ISV, you mm-hmm. know getting ready for code review, right? We're using yeah. PMD to, cl- to clean up our code and make sure that we haven't broken any security rules and do all that stuff before we get into like code scanning with Salesforce. So I think it helps yeah. for that. I understand. Um, I understand in your repository, you also talked about the Apex testing. Uh, do you, for example, use the Scratch org for the Apex testing or how do you handle that? Yeah, so for testing, it just depends, you know, on what setup we're in. If we're in an SFDX, you know, full-on scratch org, mm-hmm. you know, base like for our app, then yeah, absolutely, you know, we'll we'll follow kind of the standard of when you're ready to test, you just automatically spin up a scratch org, push your code, run all mm-hmm. the tests, get the results back, uh, and then you know, destroy the scratch org. And kind of keep it clean slate where you're just you're pushing it to that org just just to run the tests verifying that it works and and get rid of that scratch org if it's if it's a client where we're more not not scratch org based then we'll try to do the same thing with with an extra sandbox so that we'll yeah. push to an extra sandbox before we try to push to production understand have you tried to run the apex testing in multiple scratch org in parallel just to speed up the things. No, no, that's uh, that sounds that sounds pretty cool though. I want to I want to know more about that. Uh, but okay. uh, no, we haven't we haven't gotten that involved. I think our um, our worst case, I think for a while we had an org that took maybe eighteen minutes or twenty minutes okay. Okay. to run that's... all the tests, which isn't which isn't great, but isn't yeah. isn't horrible yet. Uh, and yeah. we were able to speed it up. Um, and get that down to about half that time when we kind of realized it was taking that long. Yeah. Uh, so 
but now we haven't looked at that yet. Yeah, because I've um, heard some talks from either our podcast guest or the um, like DX or Dreamforce talk is that uh, some for some big customers they have the unit test running for multiple hours or even days, so they were trying to use the parallel uh, apex testing to speed things up. Yeah, that'd be cool with like test suites as well. Maybe you could define like a a set of tests or. You know, get an advanced package too. We can break up everything into different packages, and then yeah, you only have to test that one package. Yeah, the first step is always you have to split them into the separate packages before you are able to do that. But、uh, that prerequisite is already hard enough. Oh yeah. Um, we talked a lot about these pieces, about the tools and how to use them. Can we just put them into one picture so that our listeners could understand from a high level? Maybe it makes sense for us to understand、uh, if I'm a developer in my local setup, what should I do? And of course, on the server side, there's、uh, continuous integration. So, what、uh, are the gateways on, on the server as well? Could you help us on that? Yeah, so the easiest thing to do if you're just a developer and you and you're trying to sort through this is just with your IDE, you know, get get PMD working, you know, make sure you're using ESLint if you're if you're doing Lightning Web Components and try out Prettier with the Prettier Apex plugin. If you have those things running for you、uh, consistently inside your IDE, then you're getting used to the results that it's giving you, and you're getting used to how it's formatting your code. And the things that it's kind of complaining about that that you need to avoid in the future,、uh, and so that's a really easy place to start. And then it gets a lot、mm-hmm. harder when you want to actually try to automate it, right, and integrate it. Yeah. <laughs> so th- there's a couple easy places to start with that, though.、Um, GitLab、uh, is just like GitHub. If People haven't heard of it, but it has continuous integration built in. Now GitHub has the new actions and kind of workflows. So、um, once that Opens up to everybody. You might be able to do the same thing there as well.、Um, but looking at those two things、uh, and just looking at the continuous integration that's already built into GitLab makes it a lot easier to get continuous integration up and running because you don't have to authenticate into GitLab because it's already in GitLab, right? So it's in your same account. So that is absolutely the easiest way to get started with continuous integration. Okay.、Uh, But you can also use other tools like Circle CI, Travis CI, and Salesforce has a really great tutorial on how to get Circle CI up and running. And I think they also have one on Travis CI as well, if you、mm-hmm. want to go those routes.、Um, but if you're just starting out, I really recommend GitLab with the built-in CI. And then really, what you do, as long as you have these tools like PMD、uh, and Prettier Apex and other tools already running on the command line,、mm-hmm. you just go write that all into a configuration file. Uh, for your continuous integration, and in my repository, there's a you know, command line. You can see like a there's like you know Circle CI folder, and you can see in there there's a config dot yaml file. So you can see that config for Circle CI, and you can see what we're doing there, and how you know you, you define a job essentially, and you say your job is to you know, test your code quality, right?、Mm. And then inside that job, you might Download the Salesforce DX command line, and then you'd、wow. install the Salesforce DX command line, right? And then、mm-hmm. you'd start running your different commands, right? So you might then, you know, push your code to an org, or you might install PMD and then run PMD from your 
the rule set file that's already in your org. So once you get used to it, it's really easy to understand, but at the beginning that configuration file for CI is tricky. Mm -hmm. So I would really recommend following a tutorial on that. Uh, like I said, the Circle CI one from Salesforce is really good. Um, if you're using GitLab, uh, then they have their own configuration file. The one thing I'll note is that the, we're switching away from GitLab to GitHub in okay. Circle CI, specifically because some of the code quality tools, uh, like Codacy and others, there's like Code Climate and others, just don't work well with GitLab. Okay. And I'm not sure why, but they don't support it unless you're the enterprise tier. So uh, just know if you want to use some of those code quality automation grading tools, mm -hmm. uh, it might be easier to use GitHub, but it's going to be a bit, a little bit of a bigger lift to use GitHub plus Circle CI. Okay. Uh, so yeah, if you just stack those in order, right? Just get it all working locally on your computer, get comfortable with it on your command line, get comfortable with it in your IDE, and then take what you're doing on the command line and then just put that all into a configuration file mm -hmm. for continuous integration. And then the last thing you really have to do with that is then just decide when do you want that continuous integration to run, right? Do you run it on every commit? Do you only run it when you have a pull request? Do you only run it on certain branches, right? Like before you push everything to master? Uh, there's a lot of ways you can kind of decide uh, what you want to do. Yeah. And, uh, I guess uh, not all our listeners is uh, familiar with the continuous uh, integration or the CI. And uh, just to introduce a little bit about that is that uh, it's definitely not a rocket science. Um, it's just thinking it does like uh, multiple uh, code quality gateways that you can plug into the pipeline before you commit the code to your remote repository or push your code into the Salesforce. So it's like a very flexible method. You can plug in whatever tools you want to plug in as long as it's supporting the command line. Yeah, the best way I like to think about it is if you're already familiar with using Git and you're already familiar with pull requests and you're already familiar with having a conversation on that pull request, right? Like your manager or someone else on the team might review your code and peer review it and give, give comments on why you added this, why you got rid of this, you know, what's going on with your code to, to review it and make sure that it's, that it's nice. Mm -hmm. Well, with continuous integration, you basically have the goal is the same thing, except for automated, right? So mm -hmm. when you have a pull request, instead of me commenting on there saying, hey, you know, you, you missed this, you had a loop here inside of a, you know, a circle inside of a loop, you know, you don't want to do that. And then PMD is just going to automatically do that. And there will automatically be a comment on your pull request saying, hey, you have a SQL inside of a loop as a comment on your pull request for you. So that gives you that feedback, right? Before that pull request gets merged, it's basically getting automatically reviewed. That's where I see the most value of it there, but then it's still kind of late in the game, right? You know, you should yeah. have already fixed those issues before it got there. So it's more of just like a catch at the end. You don't really want to rely on it. You want to not have those issues in the first place. So, so the one part is reviewing the code, right? Continuous integration makes it really easy to automate that. But the other part, like you're mentioning, is automating, running all your tests, getting those things to pass. And again, if you have those really large 
orgs, right? Like you're talking about days, oh my gosh, or, or you know, tens of hours to run your tests, right? Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to forget to run them <laughs> and you don't want to have to try to manually run them on, you know, 10 different orgs. So with mm -hmm. continuous integration, you could just say, Hey, every time there's a pull request against, you know, our dev branch, just go ahead and split it out across 10 scratch orgs and run all the tests and then return the results and automatically put it in there. And then as a dev, you know, Hey, just, just submit a pull request and everything else would just happen you know, auto magically, right, yeah. for you. Uh, so it saves a lot of time as well when you get to those more complex orgs. Definitely. All right. Thanks, Jim. I think we can close the session almost now. Uh, do you have something else to say before we let you go? Oh, just thanks so much for having me on the show. I think it's awesome. Uh, really appreciate getting the chance to talk at, at TDX about this as well. I'm really passionate about it. So I just love talking with other people and seeing uh, – what people are doing that's better than what I've figured out so far. <laughs> By no means is easy, clean code the end-all, be-all, but it's a decent place to start. It's really good to have you on the show, Jim. Yeah, Talk thanks to you so much, next time. Bye-bye. Hey, this is the end of the show. If you enjoyed the content, please connect with me and let me know your thoughts. All my contact information is available on the website at salesforceway.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.